morning, everyone. We're so, so glad to have you here this morning. That song really hit me as I was sitting there um, because this past week I was at a funeral and one of the things that the, um, one of the kids said about their dad who had passed away and I, oh, it's, it struck me really hard and, it said, and she said that when we would call our dad, he wouldn't mosey on over, he would rush over. And that, uh, what they said, what she said about that really, really hit me hard because I think that's, not I think, that is God. Um, I don't think that I know that. That, that is so God. Um, he doesn't just mosey on over when we call him. He doesn't just skip on over. He doesn't just walk on over. He doesn't think about it. He truly rushes in to care for us and to love us. And so that last song um, I think is really powerful as we, as we sang those words. Um, I think something that I want you to know as I just begin the service, I did this in the first services, um, there's a lot of things that are going on right now in terms of stuff that has happened in people's lives. Um, our prayer team has been getting tons of texts of people that want prayer, and we love it. We absolutely love it. Um, our fellow brother, Brad Nord, is the leader of our prayer team, and we have, a, we have an incredible group of people that are involved in this prayer team. And we've been getting a lot of texts, like I said, but I want you to know that if you are dealing with anything today, please don't carry that alone. Please take the time to let our team know or let somebody know that you're struggling or you're dealing with something or uh, whatever it might be, because we want to be a community that continues to rally behind each other. And if we are a group of people that never pray, then this church just be kind of come, becomes running like, a, like we would run a business. But this isn't a business. This is a church. This is a community. And without prayer, nothing will ever move because God wants to be involved in, in what's going on. And so I, I want to just tell you that if you have something going on this week, uh, or that's going on in your life, please do not be embarrassed or afraid or anything. There is people that care for you, and you certainly are loved by a good God. And so if you would join me, I'd love to pray over this uh, message. Would you bow your heads with me real quick? Father God, we come before you. We're extremely grateful that we're able to, um, to be in the presence of a God who loves us together. There is something about gathering and there is something about being in community that we were designed for, even if sometimes we feel like we don't want to. Thank you for getting all of us out of bed this morning to be able to come here to celebrate you, Jesus, and glorify you. And I ask in the next 20 to 30 minutes, Lord, that you would just open our hearts, that any distraction would be pushed out, um, and God, that your Holy Spirit would move. Um, we love you, and we're extremely grateful, Jesus. It's in your amazing name, amen. So I was thinking about something that's always really, really challenging, <laughs> this idea of calling. And if you're like me, which I believe you are, because you're human, then you have tried to discover what your calling is in this life. See, every single person is always really interested about what their calling is or what their goal in life is or what their purpose in life is. We all do this. Whether you're 16, 17, 18, you're getting ready to go off to college, you're trying to figure out, you know, when, when school ends, you're trying to figure out what's next and what you're gonna do with your life and what are you gonna major in and what course am I supposed to be on. 
But if you're 70 or 80, you're also thinking, have I lived out my purpose? And how much do I need to keep pursuing that? Um, What does God have for me? And I want to tell you that it's really an interesting thing, this idea of purpose and calling. Because we all want to know what our calling is. I don't think I could ask a single person in this room, say, hey, would you like to know what your purpose and your plan for life is? And you'd say, no, not interested. Nobody would say that. Every single person would say, yes, I'm very interested to know what my calling is, to know what my purpose is. And it's really interesting because I want to figure out a lot of times what my calling is, and so I'm looking for it, I'm looking for it, I'm pursuing it. And there's times where I get so caught up in what I'm actually supposed to be doing in the future, because I think sometimes calling is this idea for the future, (laughs) at least in my mind it is, it's like, what am I called to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be doing? And I think God in those moments is like, you're supposed to be doing exactly what I've called you to in this season. Now, I want to clarify a couple things. This particular sermon, as I was, I was talking to a lot of my friends and who are pastors around the country, and I was uh, kind of diving into this particular topic, and I've been um, doing a lot of research and a lot of just diving into the scriptures on this topic. And I, t- I can tell you that there are so many avenues of, of calling. We could talk about calling for the next 50 weeks or 52 weeks. I don't even know how many weeks are in a year. What, 52? 52 weeks. We could do that for the next 52 weeks. We could talk about calling. That's how, that's how broad this thing is. That's how big this thing is. So this particular message, I want to focus and hone in on something. And it might seem a little unorthodox, especially from the theological standpoint, that if you miss the context, you'll be like, wait a minute, what's he talking about? And I want you to make sure that you understand. And so we're gonna walk through this, and I wanna tell you, calling is very difficult. It is very hard. So I wanna start, if you have your Bibles, in 1 Samuel 3, 2, verse 4. And this is really crucial. This story, I think, is, is us. So one night, Eli, Eli is the father of Samuel. We'll get to Samuel here in just a minute. One night, Eli whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Keep in mind, this is gonna be the first time because Samuel has never really, he's never experienced the voice of God. So take a look what happens. He says, hey, Samuel. Samuel answers, here I am. And he runs to Eli and he says, Here I am, you called me. Eli says, what? I did not call. Go back and lie down. Has any of you guys ever experienced this where you're trying to take a nap and you really want that nap and then your kid runs up to you, hey dad, can you get me a glass of water? Yeah, that's fine. Then you go get him a glass of water and then you get back in bed and you're just just pumped because okay, now he's got his glass of water. It's like, all right, right, good, he's good. (sighs) Lay back down. Hey, Dad, can you dress me up like a superhero? Okay, first of all, like, what superhero? Yes, I'll do it. But uh, how, we have too many superhero costumes. What's going on? But sure, I'll dress you up as a super, superhero, I guess. <laughs> this is happening right now. Eli is just trying to just enjoy himself. If you've been a parent, you've tried to enjoy yourself, and your kid runs up to you. Now, Eli's doing that. And he's like, wait a minute. I didn't call you, Samuel. What are you talking about? Go lie down. So he goes and lies down. But the Lord calls again. He says, Samuel. Samuel gets up, goes to Eli, says, hey, 
I'm here. You called. Eli, probably getting a little bit annoyed at this point. Yeah, man, I, I don't know. Like, I didn't call you, so I don't know what's going on. I did not call, so go back and lie down. Now, Samuel, he does not know the Lord yet. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to Samuel yet. So a third time, the Lord calls, Samuel. Samuel gets up, he goes to Eli. Here I am, you called me. Now Eli's like, is this kid crazy? What's going on? But then Eli realizes something. He realizes that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli tells Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there, calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then the Lord said, speak, for your servant is listening, is exactly what Samuel says. Samuel did not understand nor recognize God's voice, which is why he kept thinking that it was Eli's voice, his dad calling him. God wanted to tell him something. God wanted to tell him that there was gonna be a demise, essentially, of Eli's kingdom because Eli had letting some things get out of hand and God wanted to tell Samuel about what was going to happen. He was gonna give him a purpose of, of what was taking place and what mission God had. But because Samuel did not recognize God's voice, he wasn't going to be able to get the message. The thing about calling is very interesting is this, is that the voice, the person that you are the most familiar with is always going to be the person who has the most familiar voice. See, sometimes in calling, we want our calling, we want to know what it is, we want to look for it, we want to hear it, we're yelling out to God, tell me my purpose, tell me my plan, tell me my plan, like, do you, I mean, from down to everything, like, what, what am I supposed to do, God, with my life, like, what am I, you know, how many kids are we supposed to have, what, what, all these questions that you might have, and God is like, here's the deal, you're asking for purpose and for a plan, you don't even know my voice, I think Christians, a lot of times, we want to know what God's plan for us is, but how about in the quiet moments? Are we listening? Because I can tell you what, when I listen to God sometimes in my office and I take a minute to do it, or I'll be like, I'll take five minutes to listen to God. And a minute and 12 seconds later, I'm looking at, man, good grief, God, you haven't spoke. It's been a minute 12. And I am telling you that if we do not listen or take time to pursue what God has for us and recognize and get familiar with his voice, then truth is gonna always be altered. I had a buddy, and he was, he was this, he got a text, I was with him, he got a text from this guy who was claiming to be a friend that we had known back in college. He had a new number, so the number wasn't recognizable, and he said, hey man, uh, this is, you know, blah, 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 Tim Johnson or whatever we'll call him. He said, I was wondering if, uh, he's like, I'm in a really bad spot right now, and I was wondering if you could wire me $500. And I'm, for me, I'm usually pretty naive, so I'd probably be like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll pay you, you know, it's one of those things, but, so, he's like, yeah, like, what's going on, like, why, why are, you know, what's happening, or whatever, and the guy texts him back, and, well, this has been happening, and this is going on, and this is what I'm struggling with, I was wondering if you could send me some money, and so, my friend, you know, he's like, well, I don't recognize, like, this, but I'm gonna keep, like, I'm gonna keep, uh, kind of, not toying with him, but I'm going to kind of toy with him. So they're texting back and forth and blah, blah, blah. And then we, you know, realize quickly that this, this wasn't him. You know how my friend knew not to wire him 500 bucks? Well, because he's smart, one, but two, the lingo 
and the phrases and things that this person was using were not the lingo and the phrases that our friend would have used in a text. See, we were familiar with his voice, so we knew this could not be him. I think that's us. I think that so often we find our truth from news outlets or social media, or we'll find it from even maybe somebody who isn't really out to help us, they're more out for their own personal gain and we'll listen to them and we'll, we'll think that's truth. But friends, I wanna tell you that if you're interested in finding out your calling, it has to start with the voice of God and if you're not familiar with it, then you're gonna be deceived. You're gonna be that person that wires the $500 to the wrong person because you didn't recognize, you didn't catch the lingo, you didn't catch the character, you didn't catch the phrase of who this person actually is. And I have done this so many times in my life where I've, I've asked God to give me a specific direction and calling. And then I'll get online and I see somebody else doing something and I think, I gotta do that. Because that's, if they're doing it and like they're in ministry, I'm in ministry, so like obviously we're parallel. Like I, I need to do exactly what they're doing so like I can, you know, be this and blah, blah, blah. And God's like, wait a minute. I asked them to do that. I didn't ask you to do that. But because my truth in that moment was social media or news, that's what I thought my calling was. I thought I was just supposed to do this. And maybe that's you. Maybe you don't find your truth from scripture and so you always think your calling is something different than what God's actually asking you to do. But because you don't recognize his voice because maybe you're not spending time with him or maybe you're not, uh, you know, you're, you're not diving into the scriptures and getting familiar with who God is, then it's gonna be really hard to recognize his voice. I would not have wired that dude 500 bucks because I knew it wasn't my friend. And so why would I want to pursue a calling from something else other than God? It doesn't make any sense. And that's why I believe that the person that you spend time with will have the most familiar voice. Now I wanna show you four things, and again, keep in mind context. Keep in mind context so this is not untheological, this is scripture based, I can promise you that, but I want you to keep in mind so you don't miss what I'm saying. If we could put the four things up of certain things about calling. I want you to see these things. If you have notes and you wanna write them down or take a picture, I, I do believe this is something that can be powerful in your life. I want you to know this. That calling is not from you. Now this does not mean that you don't pursue what God has for you. It means that if you're doing too much looking, and a lot less listening, there might be an issue. Because calling is not from you. How do I know this? The scriptures talk that you were knit in your mother's womb. See, you didn't do that. God was knitting you. He had a plan and a purpose. Jeremiah, we, we see that in Jeremiah 29. We know that he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. So why would you expect for you to be the person that's making your calling, deciding your calling, and looking for your calling when God wants you to listen? Because it's not from you. Calling is more about the heart than the location. One thing I see a lot is location uh, when it comes to calling. Oh, I was called here, I was called there. Oftentimes, the heart is the issue. God wants to see if you're obedient. He wants to see if he can call you and you'll be willing. But it's always been about the heart. It's not necessarily always, again, keep in mind the context for theological purposes. It's not always about the location, oftentimes it's about your heart. What are you willing to do? Calling is more about you listening than looking. How many of you guys, realistically, don't raise your hand, just checking your hearts, but don't 
I don't want you to raise your hand because, first of all, if we were raising our hands, I'd be up here raising my hand. How many, time, how many of you guys spend less time with God than you know you should and less time with God than you wish you could? Every one of us would probably raise our hands because it's easy because we live in this culture that's a check-off type of culture. I'm going to get this done. On to the next thing. Get this thing done. Get this done. Get this done. But in the culture of Christ... The process, a lot of times, is what he's looking for because it's about the heart. So Jesus doesn't just care about the end product as much as he does the process of you developing. But when we live in the society that's like, check, 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 get this thing done, let's move on, you might actually miss the fact because we want to look and we want to pursue new opportunities. If you run a business, you're looking for that niche. You're looking for that niche of how can we run this business and have a product that other people want that maybe we're doing a little better, a little bit different. If you're, you know, whatever you're in, whatever profession you're in or whatever you're doing, we want to find that, that niche. So we're always looking for that thing. How can we get our business in the green? How can we make more money? How can we get more people? All this stuff. But in the society of God, it's a little bit different because he doesn't just care about the end product. If he cared about the end product, we would all just went to heaven. But he wants the process of us pursuing after him. Part of that pursuit is not always looking. It's about sitting there and listening and being quiet and softening your heart and asking him, coming before him with humility and saying, God, what do you want from me? And then the last one, calling is embracing the season that you're in. I have a tough time with this. I'm a next season kind of guy. When you're a Jags fan, you have to be. But I'm a next season kind of guy, right? So I'm always like, oh, the next season, this is going to be great. I can't wait till, I can't wait till the next Jags game. Or I can't wait till, like, when Case was a baby, I would be like, oh, I can't wait till he starts walking. This is awesome. It's going to be awesome. And, oh, now I can't wait till he starts talking. Now I'm like, man, I wish that kid would have never started talking. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, it's like, oh, I can't wait till he starts talking. And Someday I can't wait till he plays sports. It's going to be so fun, like all this stuff. And next, 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 I can't wait. And God's like, that's awesome. Like, I'm glad you're thinking about the future and stuff. But like, why are you always thinking the next thing? Because I got you in this season right now, and I'm calling you to this season. So instead of being so worked up about what's next, why don't you be worked up about what's happening now? I think with this there's some things that take place in our life. And I wanna tie this together by showing you a section of scripture that you're familiar with. But I believe there's something that we have gotten wrong with calling. And so we're gonna tie this together right now. Daniel 3, 8, 12 is gonna be up on the screens or in your Bible or on your phones. And I want you to see this. At this time, some astrologers, they came forward, they denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, hey man, may you live forever. Your majesty, you have issued a decree that everyone who hears the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, I don't know if I said those right, the guitar, you name it, the harmonica, any type of music, if they hear music, they must fall down and worship the image of gold. Like you hear music, this is the decree, King Nebuchadnezzar, you are a god, you are the, you're majestic, you are everything, and we want people to be worshiping you and what you're about. And so these idols that you've placed before, we are gonna have people bowing down between the, uh, the idols and the gold statues. We want people to be worshiping these things. And so when they hear music, that's the thing. That's the decree here. You hear any sort of music, you do this. 
Whoever doesn't do this, I wanna tell you something, we are going to throw them into a blazing furnace. And I want you to know, King Nebuchadnezzar, while we're at it, specifically, there's some Jews who you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Yeah, it's these three dudes, named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They pay, they pay no attention to you. Your majesty, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. You just issued this decree, they don't really care. He's furious with rage at this point. Nebuchadnezzar, he summons Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, they're brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar says to them, hey, is it true? Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? This is what everybody's doing. This is the culture. This is the truth, right? You should know this. I mean, people are, people are worshiping these things. Why aren't you guys? He'd be confused at this point. Everybody's doing it. It's a, not only a culture thing, but it's a rule thing. It's a societal thing. It's truth. This is truth that you need to be bowing down to these idols. So why are you doing this? Now when you hear the sound of all these instruments and all kinds of music, if you're ready, I'm going to go ahead and give you a chance. If you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, then fantastic. That's what I love to hear. But if you don't, you're going to be immediately thrown into a fire. And then what God will be able to serve to save you and rescue you from my hand. You ever watch a movie and you've watched it so many times that the parts that were very mesmerizing and shocking to you when you first saw it are no longer shocking to you? Makes sense, right? Like, for example, the gladiator. If I've seen the gladiator 50,000 times, let's say, it comes to a point where I know what's going to happen, so I could just fast forward to the end. But I like to watch the movie, but after you've seen something so many times, so many times, you can just project the end story that it doesn't really mean as much to your heart. I think this happens with Scripture. We've heard this so many times, this story, if you will, about these three dudes getting chucked into a blazing fire, and you know what happens. God comes in, and he rescues them. There's a fourth guy in there. They look, whoa, there's a fourth dude in there. And it's this person that's in the blazing fire. So you know what happens and you know the story. But I want you to take yourself back for a moment like you've never heard this before in your entire life. And I want you to put yourself in their shoes and think about what is taking place here. They're, they're being asked to find a societal truth that would be to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar. But they are going to do something that could and is potentially going to cost them their life. They reply to him. They say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. I love this part. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. They're convinced that they know this God a God who is more than capable of rescuing them, more than capable of saving them. Why do they know this? They know this because they're familiar with his voice. They know that their calling is not a societal truth or a cultural truth that they have found from looking out, and, looking out their window and seeing people uh, 
worship these gods. They know that their calling is to serve God in the season they're in right now because they're familiar with his voice. They know that God is more than capable of saving them, of protecting them, but listen to what they say. Even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Sorry, there's a fly up here. That never happens. <laughs> so I want you to know something this morning is that peace should never be a prerequisite of your calling. Now, before you say, wow, that's so not theologically correct, let me give you context here. How many times have you heard this? I went, God asked me to do something and we did it because we just had, we just felt peace about it. We just had a lot of peace about it. Or, you know, I was asked to do that and I, I didn't do it. I just, I just didn't have peace about it. I've said that a million times. I've said that a million times. But can I tell you something? If you look at this story, now we know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saved. Where in the scriptures does it say that God is going to protect them? It doesn't say that. Now, I believe full, full-heartedly that when God calls you, he absolutely provides you everything you need, everything, including peace. But if you are not doing something that God is calling you to do because you don't sense peace, you might be missing your calling. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, our God is capable of giving us everything we need, and everything they needed at that moment was to be saved from a fiery furnace. And he is more than capable. If he wants to give me, we're gonna go through this. King Nebuchadnezzar, we're, gonna, we're not bowing down. We're gonna go through this, even if it costs our lives. And we want you to know that we serve a God, that we're familiar with a, with a God who is more than capable to save us from this fiery furnace. But if he doesn't provide us that, we're gonna go ahead and die. And let me tell you, at that particular moment, there probably would not have been a lot of peace. Did, God did they receive peace when they were actually in the fire? I don't know. It doesn't say that. The point is, is that if you're looking to have peace before you take a jump, you might miss your calling. Because not, in, not every time in Scripture does God give you a calling, tell you and instruct you to do something, and then he just provides you with peace. Because if he did, it'd be easy. If he called me to do something and I knew I was gonna have peace about it immediately, like I knew it was gonna work out and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego knew that once they got thrown in the fire, oh, it's gonna be good, God will save us. No, they knew there was a chance they could die, which is why they said, even if he doesn't save us, I wanna ask you, if God was to call you to do something, do you have the even if he does not save us attitude? I do not, because it's hard. It's really hard. I if, you're, if you're a planner and you're somebody that likes to have a plan, can I tell you that sometimes in the society of God, our plans collide with his? And at that moment, if you have this plan set up and you expect to always have peace about it and the only time you ever take a jump is if you get peace, you're never gonna step into all that he has for you. I know people in this room right now that have taken a jump, specifically taken a jump to do something they felt God was calling them to do, the Carringtons, for example, not to call them by name, but I know, for example, right now, something that God has asked them to do, yes, they might have had peace about it, but you know what the truth is? Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's scary to take a jump. And we all have stuff that God is calling us to do, and I can promise you that 
They, did, they don't know all the, the knowns. and they, There's a lot of unknowns, but you know what? God, we know that if we step into this, you're gonna give us all we need. But I'm still gonna step into it before I even have peace. I know that sounds like a weird thing, but if you look in the scriptures, you're seeing this. I know that because Jonah did the same thing. You think Jonah had peace about doing his, his little duty to the Ninevites? No, he didn't have peace at all. That's why he ran the other way but I don't think he's too far off with what we do. See, I think when you and I get called to something and we don't have peace about it, we think that automatically means that God does not want us to step through it. And I'm here to tell you that peace should not be the prerequisite for your calling. God is going to provide you with everything that you need if he calls you something. He's gonna give you everything that you need to be able to accomplish the task but I think one of the things that we think is that when God calls us, he's always gonna provide us protection. Can I tell you that's not true? I know people who have been called to the missions field who have been killed. God did not provide them protection. He didn't even provide them peace. I, I know of somebody that had went and had gotten killed and when I was talking to them, they did not necessarily have peace about the situation. But they, they didn't care because God called them. That's a scary thing to be in. That's a scary place to be in because we want this thing to be so relaxed and comfortable and if I do it, God, are you gonna make sure nothing's gonna happen or nothing's gonna go bad? And God has to look at us and say, I love you, I'm here for you, I will care for you and provide you with everything you need, but I hate to say it, what does protection have to do with it? I'm asking you to do it. This has been hard for me as I've been thinking about this the last couple weeks and as I've been preparing. If you wanna know what your calling is, I'm gonna tell you, and I really hope that you will walk out of here today knowing what your calling is. This is your calling, my friends. And I'm gonna call the band up here as we close out because I went over last service and I don't wanna do that again. Second Thessalonians 2.14, it says this. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, this is our calling right here, is that you bask in the glory of Jesus, that you accept his forgiveness, that you pursue and walk with him daily, that you follow in his footsteps, that you're open to his calling, that you're listening to what he has to say. Being a Christian is not this easy thing that's padded with pillows and we can step onto our cushions. Sometimes it's filled with callings and things that are gonna be really hard. And you don't know if they're gonna work out or not. You don't know if there's gonna be a fourth person that ends up that you look to your left and is sitting there next to you in the fire and says, God sent me, I'm here to rescue you guys. Oh, phew. Because there's other stories in scripture where God allowed certain things. And I want you to know, I hope that we, you can be challenged this morning in knowing that if you're just waiting for a peace of mind in order to obey God, you might be missing out on what he has for you. Yeah, it might be scary. It might be tough. It might not look exactly like you wanted it to. It's the scariest thing in the world following Jesus Christ. It's also the most adventurous. It's also the most amazing thing. 
I mean, we serve a God who we should have been elevating and instead he decided to come down and elevate us. And he was great at listening. He'd be on mission and the disciples and they'd be talking and all of a sudden he'd be like, hey, I need to go pray. I'm gonna take a moment. I need to be by myself and listen. He wasn't going to do that because he forgot the mission. He was going to do that because he wanted to listen. We are always looking. We're always looking for for peace. If you were to ask me, what's the one thing you want in your life? The one thing you want in your life, I would say peace. I'm not kidding. I'd say it. Over adventure, over success, over anything, I would say peace. When I have peace in my life, there's nothing like it. But the problem is, is I don't serve peace. I serve Jesus. And that might look like getting in a fire and not knowing if he's going to protect me. But knowing that I obeyed, I was obedient. So this morning, I don't want to discourage you. In fact, I want to do the opposite. I want to encourage you. Because this is your calling. You don't have to wait till you get a promotion. You don't have to wait till you, you get more money or you get a, you know, a better job or whatever it is or a better relationship. Or you can start now. The season of life that you're in right now is your calling. Because this right here is at all times to bask in the glory of Jesus Christ. And your job is to be a disciple and my job is to be a disciple. That's it. This life is so short. It is so short. We truly are vapors in the wind. Your calling, I do believe in specific callings. Don't get me wrong. Again, that's why I was trying to emphasize. I don't want you to miss here that God doesn't provide you peace. He absolutely provides you peace. He provides you whatever you need. But your calling is simply this, to pursue Jesus and to bring others along with you. This morning, would you walk out feeling incredibly encouraged that you have an incredibly important calling? And it's to lead others to Jesus. It's to point others. It's to put a spotlight on Jesus. That's it. If you want to, you know, be in ministry or you want to be a barber or you want to be a businessman or you want to be a nurse, that's great. I think, he's, I think he has given us gifts that go along with our calling. My wife is a nurse and she's an exceptional nurse. She has skills and gifts that I'll never have in that field. And part of her calling is to be in that field. But her biggest calling and my biggest calling and your biggest calling is to simply put a spotlight on our Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you'd bow your heads with me this morning, let's close out. God, I want peace, there's no doubt. But you want obedience from me more. And it's so easy, like I always say, to stand up here and talk about it. No, you know, I'll follow you, but when stuff hits the fan, it's extremely hard. And there's a lot of things you've even asked me to do that I haven't stepped through because I didn't, I didn't have peace but I still knew in my heart that I was supposed to do it, but it might turn out bad. But all you wanted was my heart and I wasn't willing to give it to you because I didn't, I didn't have peace about it. I believe there is times where God, you allow us to have peace in order to move forward. I do believe that. There's been times where I haven't taken something because I didn't have peace about it and I think that's okay. And I think there's been times where I have taken something because I had a sense of peace about it. But there is other times 
where you called me to something, I didn't have peace about it, and it, it really didn't matter because you were still asking me to do it. I knew it'd be hard. I knew there was a chance I could get thrown in the fire, and I didn't know if there was gonna be anybody that showed up to save me. But when I was gonna be in that fire, I knew that you would provide everything I needed, even if it wasn't the peace and protection I wanted. May, as a body of people, we be willing to go out into this world and do what you're asking us to do, even if we fall flat on our face. Because at that point, God, you pick us up. There's no better place to be than the arms of Jesus. We love you. Thank you for letting these individuals take a moment out of their day to be reminded, hopefully reminded, of what their calling is. We love you, Jesus. It's all about you. It always has been. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.